This is Scott Richmond. And Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, a good Sunday morning to you. Scott, this is a fantastic Sunday morning. There's no more political advertising on TV. It seemed like as or every the radio. time I turned on the television, it was like one after another, back and forth, like a uh, pickleball match. And now <laughs> we're we're done with that, and uh, it's time to take a look at what happened. What's what was the fallout from uh, from all of these months and months and months of uh, candidates, uh, you know, addressing whatever they were going to address, whether they were loyal, whether they loved the Constitution, whether they you know, loved Montana more than another person loved Montana. It's just all kids kept going on and on and on. I think everybody's sick and tired of that. I just came back from Europe and they have a much more sane approach. They may not have a different outcome, but they have a much more sane approach to the campaigning. It's very limited in most right. cases, 60 to 90 days. Each party gets, you know, it's party elections, really. Each party has about the same amount of money. It's not millions and millions. You know, some of these Senate campaigns in the big states are now $100 million for a $175,000 job. There's something inherently wrong with all of that, you know, the the logic. Right. So no, we're going to yeah, have Eric Stern, former uh, former uh, campaign manager and aide to and, uh, and state office uh, Holder, Eric Stern, is going to join us today to do a post-mortem. Yeah, frequent guest, Eric Stern. And, you yeah. know, the three of us are political junkies. We love stuff like this. We love going, you know, looking at both the national scene and then drill down into Montana. I agree with you, Arnie. It's fatiguing. Um, but it does provide an endless storyline to follow uh, on the nightly cable news and in the on the, you know, on the Internet. Uh, and so what are we going to do now? Are we going to root for the New York Knicks? Are we going to root for the Giants and focus there? Uh, Sports, you know? food, and politics. Well, they're gonna, we still have a couple of undecided races, and then you know, people That's are going right. to start announcing for the presidency now. Two years out is not that long anymore. It used to be you wouldn't hear until six, seven months before, but now two years, as soon as this is done, people are going to be announcing for the presidency. You're going to have... Uh, uh, you won't be having the advertisements, but you're going to have, you know, social media all over it. You know, what's Trump going to run? Trump not going to run? You know, is Ron DeSantis going to, uh, you know, throw his hat in? Who is Biden really going to, uh, you know, be the nominee again? On and on and on. Never right. ends. It's as the world turns. You're right, yeah. Arnie. We're not going to have the real question I have, though. And Scott, you and I may have to debate this sometime. Does any of this advertising change anybody's mind about who they're going to vote for? It's a good question. That's a really are, good are they question. Fighting for like two percent of the voters. I mean, how many people really are influenced by you know who are going to vote for one candidate, and then they hear an ad and say, "Well, I'm going to switch my vote." Well, it's that independent voter that everybody's trying to win over. You know, it's, you know, right? Maybe three or four percent total. That's that right, three or four percent. You know, right, because everybody's voting along party lines. You're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So we have a lot to talk about with our guest Eric Stern. Um, Arnie, I will say the following. Yes. Um, you're right in the sense of we're going to maybe take a month off from politics until well, now we have to do the runoff in Georgia. But right, the beginning of the new year, we get right into uh, 2024. There was no question. And you're already going to, I mean, whether the candidates announce or not, 
the media is going to be speculating now who's going to, you know, it's, I mean, they do it in sports, right? They, they, two years before the draft, they're talking about the 2024 draft, the 2025 draft in the NBA or in, or in NFL. We're, they're already talking. As soon as this is over, the, the, the news cycle switches to, okay, who's going to be the nominees for president? Who's most likely choices? You know, is it going to be uh, Gavin Newsom out of California? Is Biden really going to run? You know, he Biden said he's not going to make any announcement until after January 1st. Doesn't matter. They're going to still talk about who's going to be the candidates and who's best, you know, what's Trump going to do and what happens if Trump gets indicted and, you know, DeSantis is, you know, to Trump right. DeSantis to shut up. It's all, it doesn't end. So the media will, so the media will then set the agenda and set the storyline for the next, for the next 24 months. You mean the snake in the shovel. Anyway, when we come back, our guest is Eric Stern back after this. Arnie Sherman, we are back with our guest, frequent guest, Eric Stern. The political guru that we rely on for big picture understanding of the dynamics of what we find ourselves Pretty in. pathetic, I have to say. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you're on point uh, almost all the time on, on the issues that are important mm-hmm. in politics, given your long tenure with uh, Brian Schweitzer. Um, I want to start off first, though, talking about national politics. We just finished this election cycle. We reelected all the members of the House of Representatives and a good number of, uh, of senators. Um, what is your postmortem that you would say in general to, to our listeners about uh, what just transpired on the national level? Well, I'm going to tell you, I, the one that I feel most strongly about is, and you guys know that I'm pretty objective and even keeled on a lot of this stuff. I think that Trump is damaging the Republican brand right now. And I think all you have to do is look at Lauren Boebert's uh, contest in Colorado, that nutcase who carries the sidearm, you know, or the machine gun on her shoulder or whatever she does. Right. Barely speak English. Uh, uh, She's basically she that was a safe that was a safe district. It was not considered even a competitive district. And Trump had a huge performance there in 2020. And she may lose that race tonight or tomorrow. And even if she wins, it's literally going to be by just a hair, literally a hair. And so, um, and, and, you know, and if you sort of look around, you can see that, you know, his candidates didn't do so well or didn't do as well as they were projected to do. And I think that the craziness has, you know, the, the, the craziness has concerned people. Um, he never really let anybody believe that he was actually concerned about what happened on January 6th or about extremism in general. And when you don't, sort of show that you're a little bit remorseful, you're a little bit, at least a little bit concerned as a leader or a former leader about this stuff, people start to sort of impute it to you and think that you kind of want it to happen. And so that's, that's one thing. The second thing is that I don't think that Republicans had a message on, on, uh, on inflation. They said, yeah, you're paying more for gas and you're paying more for, and you're paying more for uh, food and you're paying more for everything. That's true. Everybody feels it. But the problem is that they didn't say, here's why Biden caused it. And here's what we're going to do different to bring it down. I think you need to say, you can't just restate the problem. You have to say, here's what we're going to do that the current president is not doing. And they didn't do that. So, and then I think little things like abortion and stuff like that, I think those things mattered on the margins. I really do. I think that, I think, I think that issue, you know, it didn't, you don't need much when it's real tight. You don't need, you don't need an issue to do much to, to have it, to have an effect. 
Well, part of the issue related to the inflation is that it's hard to pin it on Joe Biden when it's a worldwide problem. I just came back from Europe. I was in Italy and Germany. Gas is eight to nine dollars a gallon there. That has nothing to do with Joe Biden. That has to do with the global economy and the, and how much oil is being produced and whether the Russians are cutting off supply and much broader issues. And sure, you can make an argument that, you know, if Biden would have handled Putin differently. But, you know, that, that's all a spurious kind of. But that's what but that's smart. But that's what real smart political strategists do. They fashion that argument. They come up with it. And the point right. is that they didn't, they didn't do it this time. Republicans aren't very good at strategy. They just sort of are good at hoping that people are, you know, people feel yeah. a certain way in this country and it's and it's their time. And that's well, the other the other thing that you mentioned about uh, Trump is, you know, what's what's showing to me on that topic is that more and more Republicans from variety of perspectives are saying his time has passed are willing to say that more than they've ever said it before. And uh, Mike Pence's new book, which isn't being covered by Fox News, but it's out there, had a very damaging section I, I read about what happened on on uh, January 6th and then for three days, four days later when they met about, mm-hmm. you know, Trump. Trump's concern about all of that got boiled down to him saying, you know, uh, I feel bad about uh, going out this way. Maybe I shouldn't have done what I did. You know, and that's pretty damning. Right. And and, you know, look, this is no longer the it, it there is when we talk about the base, people think that means the whole 45 percent of people in this country that voted for Trump in 2020. That's not the base. The base of the people that will always be there for him. And that's that's shrunk. And it's a lot smaller than it used to be. And frankly, if you look at some of the primaries that he took sides in, half the voters or more often voted against who he was telling people to vote for in the Republican primaries. So, you know, so that so it's not his party anymore. There is a piece of it that's his party. And and uh, and but I think his I think his brand is is very is not in very good shape right now. And I'm not even sure, you know, if I had to bet, I would say that he, he it's going to be a real competition for him to be able if it ends up if it were a two person race in 2024, I bet DeSantis would beat him. Probably you think so? Might be like an eight person race. And those are much harder when you have an established figure. The question. Um, yeah. Well, the question I have is. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like of the like the the Youngkins of the world and the DeSantis's of the world and the Brian Kemp's of the world who have distinguished themselves by not falling in line, do they have the the staying power and the the courage to actually now, you know, there's a crack, cleave it open, right, and say here's the difference between me and him, yeah, um, and here's where I, I, I want do. this party to go. Yeah, I think there are enough Republicans, you know, again. If will they a, do it, though? Some of them will. Yeah. Yeah, some of them will. You, you'll see a lot of people. If Trump runs, you will see a lot of people oppose him. And I'm not talking about somebody like Liz Cheney. That's that's a whole different thing. She's just out there to sort of carve out her own. Right. Name, you know, and uh, but no, no, I don't. I think he's um, and I got to be honest with you. I I, uh, I, I don't think he's. If you look ahead, 2024 general election, if Trump were the nominee, I think that it, it, with each day that goes by, he's not doing himself any good, but he's he's harming himself. And by the way, the first thing you say if you're DeSantis is this guy's not doing anything but losing us, but losing losing for us right now. He lost the presidency. He lost the red wave. It was almost enti- much of much of his much of it was his making Trump's. Right. Um, and by the way. By the way, he's also now working for the Saudi royal family. 
and oh wow help promote their golf league and tear <laughs> down and destroy the PGA tour and America, a hundred year old American institution. And so, so, or, you know, whatever. So, so it's like, you know, I don't, I don't think Trump's one of these people that thinks it doesn't matter what he does today. He'll figure out how to deal with it tomorrow. And the problem is when you have smart people running against you in politics, that's not going to work. You're going to pay for it. When Trump ran in 2016, he had a stage full of stupid people running against him. And I'm, I, I think that there will be at least one or two very smart people running against him this time. And so I think it's a different dynamic. So, Eric, let's switch gears now. What do you say to the Democrats about what happened nationally? What's your message to them? Uh, well, I, I mean, I think the, uh, they seem to think things went well. You know, in the end, they're going to lose the House and they might lose the Senate. And so, you know, they're sort of celebrating. I don't know exactly why. Um, I know because the damage was less than it, than it normally yeah. is in every single. I mean, the damage is there's. I mean, if you lose both houses of Congress, you lose both houses of Congress. I right. don't know, you know, and and frankly, what happens if a Supreme Court spot opens up now? Right. You know, I don't know what you can't get him by definition. He won't be confirmed until until Biden is out of office, and they, they'll just let the clock run out. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do think. Well, I do think that. It's clear that the Romneys and the Murkowskis and the, some of the other one or two other moderate Republicans really aren't much interested in, in what Republicans in the right wing stands for anymore. So uh, that's an open question. Right. And with Trump's street cred sort of going down a little bit, they may be more and more a little bolder about voting with Democrats on certain things. So I think that's another thing to maybe to maybe another piece of optimism for Democrats, which is, you know, if they're worried about you know, what might, you know, because there's going to be all these investigations that they want to do and all the rest. And I don't know, I try to impeach him or whatever they're going to do. And, and it's sort of like, this is now, now there's like four or five moderate Republicans that whose, whose voices matter and whose votes matter. Right. So the house goes as it will, uh, Republican. I'm talking in the Senate. Yeah. The house has nothing to do. There's not much to do in the house. That will, that will, you know, that will be circus. Right. And you get a new Speaker of the House who's likely, you know, to first thing on the agenda is to launch a, is to stop the nine, you know, stop the uh, January uh, 6th committee hearing. Or, you know, move. investigate the president's son or all, you know. All right. That They're going to move to impeach. I mean, that's right. by the way, the, just like Demo- just like Democrats, I don't think ever really did themselves many favors with the Russia investigation and the and even some of the January 6th stuff. Although I think the January 6th stuff had to be done. Um, these guys are not listening to the country when they start talking about how they're going to investigate Biden. They're, they're listening to their own very narrow slice of the universe, which is the people who vote in Republican primaries and elect them. And that's that's the problem with our country. We now have a country where politicians answer to their primary electorates because they they don't most of these congressional seats. The districts are so lopsided that it doesn't matter what independent voters think. So you, know, you saw that the redistricting in Florida led to the first time in our lifetime that Miami-Dade County switched from a Democrat to Republican for the governor's race. Right. Right. That's yeah. right. So, you know, and, and then you definitely then, saw some and you saw some backlash in New York, too. Yes. As well, where people were just so thoroughly disgusted with the Democrats that they a couple yeah. of House seats switched. The Democrats brand isn't any better than the Republicans in this country. That's right. Among, among independent voters, although 
although I think people think that Biden is doing his best and is trying to do what he can. He might make mistakes or he might not be up to it in certain respects, but at least he's giving it the old college try. And I don't think they believe that about Trump at all. I think there I think I think Trump is I think the sort of the 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 bloom has come off the rose on Trump a little bit with a lot of independent voters. Let's hope you're let's hope, you know, that's true. But let's be careful because be careful what we wish for, because we beat Trump. I mean, Democrats, I'm a Democrat. That's right. We beat Trump. DeSantis, different story. Youngkin, different story. So because they're that's smarter, right. you know, and so. That's right. That's right. But and by the way, you are right about if, you know, it, it let's assume Biden were to run again. You know, you have a competitive primary on the other side. They will rip each other's hides off. And I know running governor's races in this state, if mm. you have a, 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 an incumbent and the other side is fighting it out to see who gets to be the nominee, they are going to rip each other to shreds and they are come out of they're going to come out of that fight right to the mm. starting line of the general election. And they are going to be absolutely just very badly wounded, bloody hard to, to move forward. So that's another thing that's going to happen. Of course, if Biden doesn't run. We're going to have the same thing going on on our side. Right. Right. Biden Biden doesn't run. He he said now he's going to wait till after the first of the year. So January 1st, 2023, he says, I'm not running. Who who out there is likely to pop out of the woodwork? Oh, my God. The whole the whole crew. All of them. Everybody you saw last time, plus all the some plus a lot of a lot of new ones is my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So if you Newsom, Newsom, Newsom will be Newsom will start. He will start. As a front runner, but I'm not sure how, how you know how far that all goes. You don't think the vice president will be the front runner? No, I don't. No, I, think, I don't I think either. Party, I think the party doesn't have much respect for her. So, so I, I, I think, party, I I think, think you're right. Newsom, Newsom is uh, is a good looking candidate on the surface. You know, can he? Uh, does he have the the thick skin enough to compete at a national level? Against a guy like you, have and, to assume. Remember, first, the first problem is that his 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 he he was married to the Fox News gal that's now that's now dating Donald Trump Jr. Or do they get or are they or are they married? They're married. Kimberly Guilfoyle. Yeah. Kimberly Guilfoyle. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's his. That's you know. He's reached. He's reached. He's reached across the aisle. He's no, no, that's a lot of fodder for. Not that doesn't help you in a Democratic primary. No, it's a lot of fodder for the nightly uh, talk shows if that happens, right? You know, pillow talk kind of a, kind of a scenario. I but, don't think, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of all. I don't even know. I don't even want to think about you. Don't think, but let me, let's, let's take back, let's go back a step. Let's zoom in on Pennsylvania. Let's look at the Fetterman-Oz race for a second, okay? I mean, Fetterman won, obviously, and everybody thought post debate that he had done himself in. There was a lot of people saying that was the wrong move. Clearly, it wasn't the wrong move, or people didn't put much value on that debate, which is they had already made up their minds. Yeah, I don't think debates. Ra- I think debates rarely matter in state. I think they matter when you're running for president. I think the only time they matter. In state level races, whether it's a Senate race or governor's races, if you say something really stupid and you make a headline out of it, that happened in two. That happened in two thousand. We lost the governor's race in Montana because in two thousand. Yeah, I remember that. Was was, why? Because because the Democratic nominee turned to the camera and said, "If I get elected, 
I'm going to be business's worst nightmare. <laughs> and and what he meant to say he had been coached to say something else. He was supposed to say polluting industries. That if anybody tries to pollute any industrial oh an industrial plant tries to pollute, he's going to be their worst nightmare. But he 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 just forgot what he was doing, or he didn't. You know who knows what happened. And that basically became a headline for the last week of the campaign. And he lost a close election. And and I think that if he hadn't had that situation, he might well have won that race. So it just got a perfect example of otherwise, you know, people, there aren't a lot of people that watch those debates. They're very low rated. You have a debate like the Senate, the congressional race we just had here. It's, you know, maybe a couple, maybe. Very few people care. But, but, but then. But then they don't care. They just don't want, you know, they're not, it's not like they're on network TV. You know, you got to go find them and they're in some <laughs> local access TV or they're streaming. It just, they just don't rate. There's just not that many people to tune in. Well, the equivalent, so the equivalent, just to, back to Pennsylvania for one second, and then we'll go on. The equivalent is Dr. Oz was a terrible candidate, and Dr. Oz said, had a lot of gaffes, and he, he was his own kind of blooper machine. And, you know, so he kind of did himself in. People didn't have much uh, confidence in him. And I think you have to give Fetterman credit because he was always on message, you know. Yeah. And what, By the way, what Oz, he, did say, Oz did say something stupid in that debate about the – abortion the, you know abortion which you know probably did affect affect it a little bit and you know fetterman everybody already knew he'd had a stroke and they didn't expect him to be fully you know right with the program and for, you know so i i well I he was also oz also did a number of things like say i want everybody to go out before uh before the steelers <laughs> game and knock on 10 doors and then fetterman would twitter and say the Steelers aren't playing this week. Yeah, no, well, that, that's right. And and he's not from Pennsylvania. Right. So that, that always looks, people don't like that. I mean, you you guys know what it's like in Montana when you have somebody sure. who's branded as an out-of-stater coming in. So, and then, and then the other, you know, and then the other problem is, I mean, look, uh, he, and again, you know, Penn, Biden won Pennsylvania fairly strong, you know, with a fairly good margin. And yeah. And here's Trump coming in and saying, this is my candidate, Oz, right. him. And again, I just don't think it was helpful. I really don't. Right. And well, in go fact, back. You know, the way you know that is Oz <laughs> was trying to spend the last several weeks of the campaign telling everybody how even-handed he planned to be if he was a senator. Right. Uh, he was distancing himself a little bit. Well, of course, of course, Trump blamed Melania for, for supporting Oz. <laughs> of you course. Know, he threw under her under the bus. That's right. But, That's what she gets paid out. to do. That's what she gets paid to do, Arnie. <laughs> Let me switch now to Montana. Eric, when you were working with uh, Brian Schweitzer, when Brian Schweitzer left office, the state had every state office except for one was Democratic. The two senators were Democratic. All of the state office holders were Democratic. There was one Republican, one congressman that was a a Republican. Ten years later, it's exactly the opposite. There's one Democrat, John Tester. What's right. happened in ten years? What well, one thing, one, one thing never changed, which is that Democrats are lucky to get forty percent in a presidential election here. I mean, John Kerry got thirty-five percent. Al Gore got thirty-six percent. You know, Obama got forty-three. It was the only it was the only time in really in the last twenty years, twenty-five years, that a Democrat got that percentage, and it only happened once. And the next time he got forty, and so and then and then Biden, I think, got in the got in the thirties. So so um, it's you know, this is not this is a Republican state and certainly as national politics are concerned, it's a Republican state. And it and it, it the 
the problem with Democrats here are it was once a competitive state when farmers were big Democrats. And going back to the 1930s and the mm. 40s, when a farmer was a Democrat. And unfortunately, you know, it's a white state. And it's so it's it doesn't have a demographic that tends to that tends to favor Democrats. If you look around the country, you know, that's, you know, with the exception maybe of, of, of Vermont and New Hampshire. And even those things are trending in the wrong direction for Democrats. And so, you know, it, 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 that's, the, that's what Montana is. And what you have over the course of the last two decades is a, an occasional uh, figure who comes along and says, I, I, I'm not the kind of Democrat you know. I'm a little bit different. And that's the Schweitzer or the tester. And to a lesser extent, Bullock. And, uh, and uh, you know, and that's, and, and, and once those guys are, you know, it, it, it sort of, you sort of, you live and die by those, those, those leaders. And, and I don't think when legislative races, for example, we lost seats in Tuesday's elections in the state house and, and um, you know, nothing that's going on nationally really helps Democrats really favorable to, to Democrats. But is, but but even with that, I understand that completely. We did have a whole slate up till recently of Democratic statewide office holders, and now we have none. Right. right. So, and, and so so in 2004, when when I was Schweitzer's campaign manager, we won the governorship and we also won both houses of the legislature. And so that we had a state Senate president who was Democrat and a speaker of the House who was a Democrat. And we were messaging about different things back then. And we were reaching out much further than I think the state party does nowadays. And, you know, I'm not really involved with it anymore, but I, I, uh, it's, it's kind of, it sort of veered off track and there's no focus on the type of economic issues or the type of things that, you know, there are certain, I would say that this, even though it goes Republican presidential years and they vote Republican for, you know, Congress and obviously John Tester has been elected now three times since 2006. He's a Democrat. He knows how to do it. I think that there's a there's certainly things you can talk about where you'll get an audience and a fair shake from the Montana voter if you're a Democrat, but they got to like what they hear and they have to. And I don't I just don't know. You know, I don't really hear anything coming from Democrats anymore in this state, you know, that I would think would appeal to an independent voter who leans conservative. So. So um, we create a new congressional district, District one. Right. Right. And we have Zinke running against Monica Trinnell. But that district is already slanted towards Republicans. Is that correct? To begin it was with? slanted towards Republicans. It was a district that that we had high hopes for, but then the redistricting commission sort of sort of sided with a Republican argument about how to divide these two districts up. And so what ended up happening is we obviously have a very conservative district in the East and 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 we have this competitive what what's supposedly a competitive district in the West. But Trump got 52% of the vote in that district and Biden got, you know, around 46. So I don't, you know, just, just to compare that of all the house races that were going on on election night, you saw around the country, none of them that were 52% Trump districts were considered remotely competitive. And so, Mm. so really we, we, so, and, and, and by the way, the Democrats didn't spend really any meaningful resources. National Democrats didn't spend any meaningful resources in this race with Monica Trinnell and Ryan Zinke, um, because it wasn't really viewed as competitive, and the National Republicans didn't view it as competitive either. They thought that Zinke had it had it from the get go. And she actually did better than I think we had anticipated. One by five points, and he won by five points, and they were correct. And I think she ran a good campaign 
you know, first time politicians you, you often screw things, you know, first time office, uh, first time campaigners. Right. Often do it the wrong way. And I think she did very, I think she did very well. I just think that on a night like last night, it wasn't really, I don't know that it was really reachable. Um, it, it's, you know, it's just, again, again, it was a district that went 52% from Trump and, and it's where he's dealing with an enormous set of economic problems that this nation has, you know, the cost of the cost of things basically. And I think that when you have that, even if Republicans aren't very good at articulating why it is that they should be elected in a, in a district like that, it probably, it doesn't matter. It's going to go red. And that's what happened. You know, it, we've, we've rapidly approached a time in politics where it almost doesn't matter about your personal flaws. There was a time not too long ago where if you had one thing happen, you know, one, one event happened, you know, like uh, with Gary Hart and, uh, you know, and uh, right, right. on the boat, that was the end. You have to leave. Now you got a guy like in the case of Ryan Sinke, you know, a guy that had to resign because of but all of the- but Right. But it doesn't matter because if you think about it, that in Europe, in Europe, what do you do? You walk in at election time and you vote for what? You just vote for the party. Right. In right. Canada, you vote for the party. In France, right. you vote for the party. And frankly, on some level, I mean, I guess it, you know, the way we're, you know, and, and it's not that surprising that that's where we're going now, too, with a lot of this. Right. It, you know, it, it used to be maybe a little bit different, but it's. Um, Although you could argue, well, you could argue this last election, though, people did go across the aisle. Right. In, they in always have, oh, there's always voters that vote across the aisle. But I'm saying that it, it like it, to, across to argue, the ballot, like if you're a real strong, if you really hate liberal. Right. You're going to vote for Ryan Zinke. It doesn't matter what he went out and did. This or, is a good segue. <laughs> it doesn't good, matter what he did. Which is a great segue, Arnie, to talk about the Georgia race. And, yes. Uh, right. And that's exactly <laughs> right. You have white racists voting for voting for Herschel Walker. They are right. in, that, in Georgia. You know, if a Republican candidate gets 50 percent, that means he's got literally he's got a lot of people that literally do not like black people. And they are voting for him. Because right. Right. Trump or they whatever. So it's like that makes my point, I think. Yeah. Well, what was interesting about the uh, the Herschel Walker uh, Warnicky race, which is now going to be, uh, uh, you know, ha- another race on December. What is it? 16th or something like that. December 6th. The 6th. Right. So it's not that far off. Is that there was a, a five or six percent drop off on the Republican side for, from the number of votes that the Republican gubernatorial candidate had and he had, which. Right. Which showed that there was some, you know, it's only five or six percent have some kind of scruples about a candidate's personal, you know, life and personal behavior. No, no, you're looking at it back. Why do you? Why do you say? Oh, I, no, but Tracy Tracy Abrams underperformed Walker. Stacy, right? Stacy, Stacy Abrams right. underperformed Walker. Warnock. And and underperformed. Excuse Walker, me. Underperformed. Underperformed. underperformed, underperformed Warnock. Right. Yeah, they right. both so under. Yeah. So what do you? I don't follow. So you're saying that I'm saying that Republicans who voted for did not vote strict party by a five or six percent differential because they voted more for uh, the gubernatorial candidate than they voted for uh, for. um, Right. Herschel Walker. They voted for Kemp and And they didn't vote for Walker. I see. All right. So that. Right. And what you're saying is that they so they you know, so you're saying you're you're ascribing that to. Herschel Walker's, you know, hypocrisy on abortion and and whatever else is or anti or an anti-Trump vote because Kemp was an anti-Trump vote or just a racist vote. You know, yeah, right. 
All of yeah. it. It's all of the above. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think that's that's plausible. Uh, what yeah. are your and predictions? What, what are your predictions for December six? The interesting thing about the you know racism, I think almost all of Herschel Walker's votes were white votes. Not much came from the minority community for him. At Is all. that right? right? Yeah, I hadn't yeah. seen that. Yeah, that surprises saw, yeah. me. That surprises me because I mean he's a he's a hero in that state, right? You know, he's a hero to a lot of white people. I do have to say, when I watch the Georgia Bulldog football games and look in the hundred thousand people in the stands, it's pretty Caucasian across yeah. the board. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, um, <laughs> it. Uh, by the way, the bigger question is why on earth does Georgia believe that it needs another hundred million dollar election? Yeah. Right, after, right after the one that they just did. You know, it's yeah. unbelievable you mention that. And it always is it always has bothered me that the public doesn't understand or doesn't feel like there's some disconnect between somebody spending fifty million dollars to get a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar job. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I was again last week in Europe. You know, and the European way of, of managing campaigns is a lot better. One is, in many places, is a 90-day period for campaigning. Right. There's no private money allowed in the campaign. It's federally funded, so the candidates have equal kind of amounts of money or the parties have equal amounts Correct. of money. And yeah. uh, it seems like a much more, you know, it's it's a national system of voting, not every single state. You see what happens here? You don't get results back in some cases for five days because every state has a different system of doing electoral votes. When you were at the, uh, then, uh, you know, right. uh, working in state government for a while, um, our system worked very well in Montana. We have a great, yeah, no, I worked, I was deputy secretary of state for a few years and I was, I was, I mean, in charge of a lot of it. And the fact is, that it, uh, uh, we have a very good, so we have paper ballots and we use optical scan machines. So you take a stack of ballots that everybody's filled out with their pencil or their pen. And you just literally like to, when you take the SATs, you just right. just run them through the, you just run them through the counter. You do it a few times and it can be, all of it is observable by representatives of both campaigns, both parties. Right. And it's really never, I've never seen any problem as long as right. I've been in this, which is now 18 years um, of campaigns and elections and working for the governor and so on. Oh. I've never seen a single real serious problem with any right. county level county. Integrity. Yeah, or the integrity. And that includes, there's plenty of partisan election clerk, election clerks because they run for office in many cases. But even they, mm -hmm. they, they understand their job. So, you know, and then you so have Arizona, we have Carrie Lake who says, if I don't win, that the election's a fraudulent election and I won't accept the results. Of course. Well, she's learned from the master. Let's yeah. well, let's let's do this in our remaining moments in this segment. Let's go around the horn. Let's look at Arizona, right? Arizona appears to fall, will fall to Mark Kelly, right? So that's one more for the Dems. Yeah. yeah. So now you're at now you're at 30. What are you at? Uh now you're kind of at a dead heat. Where no, does no. where does where does Nevada go? What happens Nevada with Nevada? Goes, Nevada goes as as we are recording this. On uh, on Thursday night, the tenth, uh, the tenth, uh, there are about um, eighty-seven uh, or eighty-eight percent of the uh, uh, ballots have been told uh, have been cal you know calculated. Um, there's twelve percent outstanding, roughly. Most of those are in the two big counties that are Democratic counties. 
That's 180,000, 190,000 votes, most of which those votes, those ballots were cast early on. And early on ballots are generally, at least in Nevada, are heavily Democratic. Right. So Republican candidate, as as we speak now, is up by about 10,000 votes. But there's 180,000 votes to come in. This happened, by the way, in, 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 during the last 2020, that exactly. the last votes that came in swung it to Democrats. So my belief is that we're going to be, you know, 50 Democrat, 49 Republican before the Warnocky, uh, excuse me, for Georgia. Yeah, race takes place. Warnock. So, so all you're right. So already, already, but already, done. You're saying it's over. Then it's over. The control of the Senate is determined. I believe that's the case. Right. Arnie is predicting Nevada blue, Arizona blue. Eric, I expect to lose one of those and and win one. That's all. Arnie, you think Arizona goes yeah. red? Yeah. No. No. Blue. I think I think that Arizona that Mark Kelly w- prevails, and I think that uh, the Cortez current Mastro. Also- yeah, prevails. All right. And Eric sees a split. He sees Arizona or Nevada going red and the other going blue. I see the same thing. I see one red, one blue. And then let's go back to Georgia. Georgia. And then Mitch McConnell, yeah, and then Mitch McConnell gets to pin his hopes of being the Senate leader on 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 a on a candidate that has on Herschel Walker. Yeah. Then then you're gonna see twenty million dollars or thirty million or forty million spent in Georgia. <clears throat> More than that. Easy. Oh, easy. Easy, oh, yeah, easy. easily. But uh, by the way, by the same token, if you're right, Arnie, and we win it before Georgia, I expect McConnell to, I expect Republicans to walk away from it. I agree with you, Eric. I, w- I, am, I think Arnie's being hopeful. Because he can be, you know, he'd be a huge embarrassment as a senator. No. Well, here's, here's my position. And we can, re- you know, next time we do the show, we can talk about it. There's 30% of the vote out in, um, in uh, Arizona and uh, the Democratic candidates ahead and write in ballots in that state usually trend Democratic. And is it right in so that they're looking at? I thought they're what? looking at same day it's in, not about, in it's Arizona. It's not about what the state is, Arnie. It's about, it's about what part of the state they're coming from. I know. From. And I looked, at the, I looked at the maps. They're in the Democratic counties in those states. But I think it's okay. same day. I think it's same day. It's not mail-in in Arizona that they're counting you know, and tabulating. And that, might, and that might be the case in Arizona, but the, where they're coming from are heavily Democratic areas. And on okay. that topic, by the way, I'll tell you something else. You know, well, Republicans have convinced their faithful that mail voting is some evil plot, <laughs> liberal <laughs> plot. And I have to be honest with you, they have cost themselves votes in every election because of that. Yeah, Because yeah. if you have 100 people that are politically motivated, not all hundred are going to go to the polls. Somebody might, you know, their aunt gets sick and they got to go, you know, babysit and they can't, they don't have time to get there. Or they go there, there's a line that's an hour long. They say, yeah, the hell with this. I don't want to vote. You know, you might get 90, 90 of them voting. But if they all get a mail ballot, then you have a hundred of them voting. And Democrat Republicans have caught themselves real numbers, but they have created this, this theory and this, this idea, this notion that they're now going to have to try to somehow back out of or it's going to continue to cost them votes in elections. It's silly. I'll, I'll tell you something. Back to Georgia, okay, which is really where all eyes are, are going. Um, if we do have a split, the question becomes who wins that, right? So really it's Stacey Abrams versus Mitch McConnell or versus DeSantis. Like does DeSantis go up to Georgia to lend his weight against Herschel Walker? Does Kemp 
do that, right? Because it's a it's a crucial seat, right? Let's not lose sight of the uh, of the the plot here. They want they want to have the shift of power go into their favor. I am sure. So, I am sure that they will. The Republicans, if it matters, the Republicans will will show <clears throat> show their support to him. Right. And, but then who wins? Predictions. Oh, I mean, it'd be this. It'll be you know, it'll be again. It's a coin, you know, a coin toss from here. It's, I don't. Let I me share. Let me share with you something that's interesting at, at this moment. Only let's go back to Arizona for a second. We're not all, you know, political number crunchers. But the there's only seventy three percent of the votes been counted in Maricopa County, and Kelly's up by eight points among those, and that's one point two, one point one million votes. 23% is another 230,000 votes coming in from that county that's heavily right. Democratic. The second largest county is Pima County, where Kelly is up by 20, margin is 25%. They have a third of the vote to count. They've counted 286,000. There's another 100,000 votes in that county to come in. All the other counties are much smaller, and almost all of the votes have been counted. Which is why everybody is saying that Kelly is probably going to pull it off. Right. Yeah, Kelly wins Arizona. Nevada, 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 Nevada doesn't look like that. And so, right. I, you know, and then, so that's well, that's, that's your, you know. Nevada may be a toss-up, but I agree with you, Arizona's Kelly. Nevada's a toss-up, and I worry about Georgia. I'm much more concerned about Lauren Boebert. <laughs> Do we I know how she she's got doing? by 40, 47 no. votes at the moment? Oh, she's up now. When I last looked, she was down. No, I think she's up. Oh, okay. All but, eyes are on Laura Bo- Lauren Bober. No, no, she's uh, that. That's a very interesting race because she was supposed to have a walk. You know, just a walk. I mean, it was supposed to be a no, no brainer. That's a and heavy she went, and she just went, She was like Trump on steroids, and 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 I just think it's interesting that of all the people. To end up, you know, fighting for for their lives on election night—that yeah. it's her. It's just—it's just remarkable. Yeah. So, with ninety-eight percent of the vote counted as we're speaking in her race, she is up by um, two hundred votes. Yeah. Out of three hundred and twenty thousand. And I just don't know what's I don't I'm not familiar enough with Colorado Springs to know where what or with that area to know to know military military base. It's usually red. Um, yeah, Arnie, I don't know what you're looking at, but yeah, I'm seeing similar numbers. Um, and then as we we zoom out, let's zoom back into Montana. Let's look at, can we look at some of the issues that have impacted, uh, at least here in the county? I was a little surprised that, the, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that the fairgrounds and the crisis levy was shot down. I think people right. just don't, they just don't want to put, they, they feel taxes are too high. It's very hard. To get somebody to support. Well, I, I also that. think people feel, ah, eh, they'll figure out a way to fund it other ways. Right, they'll get right. Funded in other ways. Right, and 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 um, nationally, so statewide, you had the abortion measure, which was the called the Born Alive measure, which was a sort of a kind of a I don't know, one of these weird measures that the pro life community put on the ballot, and uh, and. Uh, uh, and it basically tried to shame, you know, people into voting against it. And it's, it's a very, but, but the state rejected it. And so right. it is one of, so basically every abortion ballot measure last night across the country, I think failed. Yeah. I don't think anyone, so not to mention ones in the special elections earlier in the year, like, it, like it, uh, in the primaries, there were ballot measures too, like the one in Kansas that went down to. So, so that's fast becoming obvious to the pro-life movement that they're sort of in a very 
small corner of the room and they're not going to come in. They're not going to, they're not, they're not creating, they're not, they're not benefiting their, they're not, they're not having success in a lot of places. And I don't think they're benefiting Republicans either with their activities. And then the other one was there was a digital ballot measure. It was about digital privacy and what law right. enforcement can do with your records. And, and that passed overwhelmingly. And then, um, and then the Supreme Court race in Montana, the, the, the appointee, Ingrid Gustafson, who was a Bullock appointee. By the way, when I worked for Bullock, I, was on, I interviewed her as one of the people that was on the, sat on the interview panel. We were trying to decide who to appoint to the Supreme Court to fill a vacancy. Mm. Um, and she was, was, she was the one we went with. So, um, uh, and so she's, this is her sort of reelection and, you know, a uh, very bright, bright gal, really good judge, good lawyer, um, uh, good racquetball player too, by the way, which, uh, you know, that's the, you know, me, that's the kind of stuff that I really get into. And then, um, and then uh, 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 she knocked the stuffing out of, this lunatic that the Republic essentially is a conservative, the hardest working man in show business, James, James Brown. Brown. Well, what I found very interesting was that it rankled so many feathers that uh, Mark Roscoe and other Republicans came out in support of Gustafson. Gustafson, right. yeah. And to answer it, the Republican Party came out and supported Brown, which you're really not usually not supposed to do in judicial races in the state. They're right. supposed to be nonpartisan, and you're not really supposed to, you know, you're not really supposed to accept partisan endorsements and you're not really supposed to make them either although that's not you can if you want and so <clears throat> that that race we've now won every time we have a supreme court race the 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 candidate preferred by the democrats has won going back now um you know a good 10 12 years um because they again conservatives there's you know there's a lot of strange people uh, in the right wing and, and, and some strange lawyers. And those are the people who end up running and they just can't get it done because I think Montana voters like people who are normal. Let's and put a pin, let's put a pin in that. This is a good time for a break. Our guest is Eric Stern on our annual election post-election summary back after this. Barney, we are back with our guest for the final segment with Eric Stern. It's always fun with Eric. So one of the things that was lost in all of this discussion is the fact Sarah Palin was running for Congress in Alaska and got swamped by the Democratic candidate, two to one. I mean, right. she, she uh, and that, that was shocking to me that someone that had such high you know, regard in Alaska and, you know, was on the national ticket and all that, you know, could only muster 26% of the vote in Alaska. Because that's because when you're a governor of the small state, you can kind of fool all the people all the time. But once she ran for president or vice president or whatever she did, Alaskans realized she's a moron. And I don't think, <laughs> and I don't think they're interested any longer. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, you want, she, that's my analysis. And she cashed that moron check all the way to the bank. So, yeah. And they, right. see, by the way, they saw that too. And right. They saw that. They saw her on reality shows and they, you know, and all the rest. And they, and I'm telling you, and that's, and, and I'm telling you, that's going to be Trump's problem as he cashes in now and takes Saudi money, you know, and he does this and he does that and whatever else he's going to be doing to making a living the next two years, it's going to wear him down with his own people that take it to the bank. Eric, where Eric, is uh, your, 
Well, I was going to ask one quick question. Where is where is Steve Bullock now? You know, what's the future for Steve Bullock? You, Bullock you know, is opening a he's opening a big uh, uh, he's opening a brewery in uh, in uh, in Helena, and he's uh, and then he works. Uh, he's doing some law related work nationally, and he um, works for a, co- a group called American Bridge. They get involved in political races and things like that, and he's sort of he's a favorite among a lot of the. Um, uh, the Democrats in Washington who sort of want a what they like to talk, call a third way, kind of a, a centrist, you know, right. centrist, centrist Democrat. So and I, you know, and other than that, he's going to be opening up a tap room here in, in a few months. So and, and what's what about your former boss, Brian Schweitzer? What's he doing these days? He's retired. He spends half the year in Arizona and he kibitzes a lot in politics. But he doesn't get involved. He has a property business uh, here and down there. And that's what he does. And he's just out of it completely. That's interesting. And what do we think about John Tester? And John Tester is going to have a big decision to make because obviously the way things are going nationally, it's probably the hardest it's ever been to get elected as a Democrat statewide in this in this uh, state and and especially to to federal office. That's always been the tricky one. I mean, that's the toughest thing to get. You can get elected governor here as a Democrat. Getting elected senator as a Democrat in Montana is extremely difficult. And and so he's done it three times. Obviously, the first time was the was the real miracle. And then once people got to know him and he did a good job as senator and he really was smart, he got elected. He got reelected twice. But this time, I think even he has said publicly he's not sure if he's going to run or not. And, you know, and then and then beyond that, I don't know. We'll, We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see what it looks like. Does he have other aspirations? Good question. Good. I thing would to like con- to see him run for president, but you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think he would be an excellent candidate for 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 Democrats, but I don't know that it's you know, is it is it feasible to have a guy like that, you know, be someone that is that Democrats will accept, you know, with a with That's a good a rating question. the NRA and things like that. I don't. I just don't know. I don't know. Arnie, that's a good thing to. That's a good place to pause this week. Yeah, Let's think we about can go the future. on and on and on with with Eric on a whole host of issues related to this, but uh, that'll be saved for another time. Yes, Eric, you're a great guest. We appreciate you joining us. Of course, I love it, Arnie. I will uh, see you next week. All right, see guys. You next week, Scott. Take care. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know. I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO, 